I never want you to forget what I'm about to do. Do you promise not to forget? Because it also came from the Holy Spirit. Do you promise not to forget? I want to show you two things you can do in prayer. Okay? And many of you have been doing this one thing. Mwaga tu kidogo kama one spoon. Mwaga tu pole pole like a spoon. Kidogo tu chini. Kidogo tu. Now, what is he doing? He's pouring, right? He's pouring the soda down. That is what we call prayer. But there is another level of prayer which I want us to do. Pua kidogo tena. Sometimes you pua kidogo, then you pua kidogo, then you pua kidogo. Then you wonder, why is the river not forming? Why is the river not forming? No, unamwaga kidogo. Mwaga tu kidogo. Unamwaga kidogo. Why is the river not forming? It's because we are just praying. But I want to show you something that you should never forget. Men of God and women of God and children of God who produce results, this is what they usually do. Do you know what they usually do? Shake this thing till I tell you to stop. Just shake it pala pala. Shake it with an intention to make a <laughs> This is what they do. 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 They are just stirring up. 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 And they can do it for one hour. Not telling God anything. Oh Lord. And they are just stirring up. 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 And they keep going even for two hours. And they don't know what they are doing. But they are still doing it. Oh Baba. And like me, some of them remove their shoe. I'm not removing. Moving, okay? Some of them remove their shoe. Then they remove their coat. And they keep going for another three hours. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. And they are still going. The fourth hour, they are still going. Finally, they begin to get an idea. Oh, I am destroying wrong foundations. Oh, I am destroying poverty. Oh, I am dealing with death. Oh, there is this secret I've never discovered. Finally, I feel I need to address it. What now they are doing? They are doing supplication. Previously, they were praying. After that, they are like, oh God, thank you. I feel it is done. Paul says, by prayer, with supplication and thanksgiving, make your request. A fervent prayer of the Russians. What is fervency? That is fervency. After that shaking, you have produced power. With that power, now you can produce results. Till you have stored up power through fervency, there is no result for you. And this man can be shaking this thing like my thing was shaken during the wedding. It can be shaken for an hour. It can be shaken for two hours. It can be shaken for four hours. When he opens Kidogo, this thing will not be sitting here. It will go past where it was falling. Some of you, your prayers have been falling. Now it is time for your prayers to, to fly. Now it is time for your prayers to seethe out. Now it is time for your prayers to project. Now it is time for your prayers to jump. <clears throat> That's why I told you the other day, when you have prayed, pray that you now can pray. And after praying, ask God, now I've prayed, now I want to pray. Because prayer is in stairs. Prayer is a journey. Prayer is a mystery. Prayer is an adventure. 
And I've seen men, one of them I met him, oh, brilliant but powerful guy. He used to be in Maseno school. And one time the headmaster is sick, the principal of their school. And he told the boys, guys, our principal is sick. Let him now know that in the CU, there is a living God. They went and closed themselves for four hours in a room. Till the Lord said, now you are charged. Go. When they went, they said, principal in Jesus' name, up. And the guy jumped out of his bed. Pa! There was no more persecution of the CU from that day. Later on, they go to the village and a man dies. And they are told, oh, so-and-so has died. Let us now go and bury him. They said, no, we will close ourselves in our room. They kept shaking and shaking and shaking and shaking. The Holy Ghost finally said, guys, 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 you are charged. Go. When they stepped out, they laid hands on the casket. The guy jumped out. These were students. Listen to me. These were students. These were not, these were not professionals. These are from three, from four students. But they had learned that when you are fervent, you store up power. You charge. One of the meanings of, you know, speaking in tongues is charging or what you call edifying your spirit. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 to 4. He who speaks in tongues, you know, edifies himself. He charges. Why is he charging? So that by the time he drops it on a situation, power begins to produce results. By the time he drops it in a situation, power begins to erupt. So, can you open it? We see. Now that is application. Previously, he was praying. He even had a list in his notebook. Uh, what was number one? Um, uh, number one was uh, uh, freedom. Oh, but what about number two? Uh, number two was uh, cross. Cr no, cross, crossing or crossover. Oh, cross. No, the cross. No, let me read. Then he reads. Previously, he was praying. Then he took a break. He began to charge. He began to charge. And he kept charging. And he kept charging. Within a little opening. Have you even opened the whole thing? You have not even opened the whole thing. Thank God I'm not the one holding it. Lest I look like I'm manipulating. And I've seen people who are dealing with a crisis and they rush to pray instead of rushing to church. Sometimes we've seen people line up here and the pastor is like, Leon's Joshua. And I'm like, I'm still going and going, standing here, then coming back, and just charging and charging. And when I stand in front of you, something will hit you and you don't know what hit you. Men and women who are young, listen to me. This thing has secrets and it is in the Bible. The Bible says, like pastor was quoting, Nehemiah is told, now speak, what do you want? The Bible says, <laughs> then I prayed. Then I told him, oh king, live forever. I need this. And the king obeys a man who is his cupbearer. Why? He took time to charge. When he spoke, it was not him speaking. There was a power backing him up. And the Lord can decide for four years you are charging and you don't know why you are charging. One day you are told, now there are some men on a stretcher in Kenyatta. Go wipe them out. The Lord showed me the first 
dead person, I will raise up. I'm here to raise up, but my God, it will be happening like a joke. The Lord told me I'll be kicking the casket. And as you line them, if there are 100, 100 kicks and 100 people are rising, why? Since I met Jesus at 16, I have been charging and charging and charging. A day comes, my compatriots are praying. Me, I am supplicating. Oh, Father, if it is your will, it is written, you shall raise the dead. Then the man is dying even more. And by the way, have you noticed that the powerless people are the most worded people? They are the most lengthy people in their talk. They are the most lengthy people in their dressing. They are the most lengthy people in their grooming. My friend, if you have power, you have power. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. And if you are loaded, you are loaded. If you are not loaded, you are not loaded. You know, I said I'm saying something before I got there, but this thing is becoming sweet. So what are we going to do? Yes, we have five days to pray. Some people rush to pray, but I will prefer you charge. Keep charging. And if the Lord keeps, uh, you know, impressing on you to charge, keep charging. When the Lord keeps impressing on you to charge, keep charging. When you open that bottle and you make one de 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 decree, heaven backs you. You make another decree, heaven backs you. You make another judgment, heaven backs you. You make another declaration, heaven, heaven backs you. You make another pronouncement, heaven judges, heaven backs you. When you look at the guys of Baal, they began praying from morning to evening, okay? Uh, during that contest with Elijah. They began praying from morning to evening and nothing happened. Why? Elijah they did not stand there since morning to evening. Elijah had been standing before God for the last three years. Three years he did not have a crusade. He did not have a wife to kiss or uh, children to take care of. He did not have nursery school to take children to. All he did when he woke up, the Lord. When he went to sleep, the Lord. When he woke up, the Lord. When he went to sleep for the Lord. For three years. Only for three seconds. He was given the microphone for three seconds. Oh God, that they may know I've not done this thing by my own mind, but that you have sent me so that their hearts can turn back to you. Lord, hear my prayer. Pow! Fire came down. And young people, we are going to be strategic. Our patience is not going to be about, oh, you know, I've been praying from morning to evening. Should the Lord decide for three years, you have no family but the Lord. You have no job but the Lord. You have no money but the Lord. And all you are doing is to charge. A friend of mine called Karanja. Oh, Lord, I love Karanja. He's a prayer warrior. And he's the type when the thing comes on him, he will tear his shirt and remove it. And then he'll begin to spin nonstop. And then he'll begin to jump. Hey! As if he's losing his head. And the man can pray from morning to evening. So one day he has done that like for three years. And a neighbor called him that his daughter was dead. He said, ah, let me finish with my wife here, then I'm coming. He took his shirt, put it on. When I look at the child, he said, hey, you spirit of this girl, come back. Then he left. That's how the girl was raised from the dead. Powerful people do not have decorum. They do not have English. What they have are results. Did you hear what I say? Powerful people do not have decorum. They do not have English. They only have results. 
And some of them can be so rude, others can be so brutal, but provided they are delivering results, nobody will ever accuse them of anything. I know people go to school to learn on how to conduct a ritual for a dead body. But others like you, unless I'm speaking to the wrong crowd, the Lord is going to train you to raise those people up. Not to bury them in, in their graves. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is the secret. The Lord may demand. Keep charging. Oh, when will they give you the mic to preach like Joshua? Mm, stop. Keep charging. Oh, when will they give me the mic to sing like, uh, you know, Elder Lucy? Keep charging. Who knows? Like I proved one day when I was leading a 40-day fasting. Who knows you take the mic and demons begin to manifest and, the, and people begin to repent and the people begin to shout and scream and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Who knows? So we are going to pray so that after prayer, we have supplication. The Bible does not say supplications. One supplication. Lord, you sent me. That is one supplication. Lord, the hearts of these people should go back to you. Another supplication. Now, so that you can, they can know you sent me. Move. And the Lord moves. Are we ready to pray? So that you can supplicate. Like on Friday, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed during the kasha. I prayed the Lord gave me one word. And I said, wow. If I am given the opportunity just to speak this one word, this word, hell will begin to crumble. Why? It is not coming from the place of prayer. It is coming now from the place of supplication. Because immediately, according to the Bible, immediately you are done with supplication. The next thing that should follow is thanksgiving. Why? Because now there are results. We don't give thanksgiving by faith. We give thanksgiving because there is a result. So don't rush to pray. Rush to charge. Let your prayer be charging moments. Let your prayer be moments of charging and you are charging and you are charging and you are charging. And if you don't feel ready yet, you keep charging. If you don't feel ready yet, you keep charging. When you appear on the other side, it is nothing but signs and wonders. The topic for today, dear people, is the anatomy of the Russians. And we are going to look at the anatomy of a general, not of the Russians. The anatomy of a general. Last week, we looked at the conquest, the dividing, and the partition of a general. Today, we are looking at the anatomy of a general. A general has five anatomies. We need to look at them. And after that, we can pray. And after prayer, what do we do? We supplicate. After supplication, what do we do? We do thanksgiving. Are we ready? Now, Ezekiel 47 is a common scripture that all of us know. It talks about Ezekiel being taken to the temple. And I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Ezekiel is taken to a future body of the, Christ, of the, of the Christian. He's taken to the temple of the Lord. In future, God will have a temple, but it will be the body of a Christian, the the physical body of a Christian is the new temple of God. So Ezekiel is taken to a temple, and in this temple there was a river. 
This river kept flowing from down up. It began from the ankles in King James, huh? ankles or the, the legs. Then it moved down to the what? It moved up to the knee. Then from the knee, it moved now to the, it moved to the chest before the whole thing ran him over. And Ezekiel records that after he was ran over by this river, he was no longer in charge. It was the river that was in charge. And so Ezekiel tells us that when the river was in charge, healing and restoration began to happen wherever this river took him. Previously, there was no healing because the river was yet to flow. After the river began flowing, now there was healing. Five-star general. But we are looking at his anatomy. We are looking at his ankles. We are looking at his knee. We are looking at his waist. We are looking at his chest and the rest of his body. I will explain these five. Then, after that, we can pray. After praying, we will supplicate. After supplicating, we will give thanksgiving. I want you to listen to me very carefully. There is a mystery about a river that I want you to understand. A river is what determines the economy of an area. Egypt is Egypt because of River Nile. The whole of Middle East was the whole of Middle East as we know it because of River Euphrates. Canaan was Canaan because of River Jordan. A river determines the economy of an area. If an economy is going to be up, there must be a river that is mighty. If an economy is going to be down, there must be a river which is small. A river, I repeat, determines the economy. One time I went to a certain village, not a village, it was a homestead where I, next to where I used to stay while, while I was in high school. And a, a, a story was given to me about that home. And this was the story that the founder of that home, who was now the father of the man I knew, was dead. After that, the wife to the son of the man also died. After that, now it was the man, and the man was a teacher. He used to teach in our school. The man was now dead. Next now was his son. I was only 16. Yeah, 16 turning 17. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, told me, now, my son, I want you to do the following. Go to that village. And, no, that homestead, but it was a village typically. When you enter there, I want you to pronounce the following words. I dry the river of death from flowing in this family. I went and made the announcement. Lord, in the name of Jesus, as you have told me, I dry the river of death in this family. It will not flow. That was 2000. 2001. And, yeah, that was 2001 turning to 2002. And the last time I was in that area, I asked, have they buried another person, including the old Shosho who was there? They told me no one has been buried. When you see a pandemic of death, there is a river of death. And I will prove it from the scripture. When you see revival, there is a river of the spirit. When you see anger killing people in Turkana, don't just blame the sun and the lack of rain. There is a river of death. When you see accidents killing 80 people this week, 90 people next week, and after that 150, there is a river on the roads. It is a river of death. 
One of the judgments God pronounced on Babylon was this. I will judge our waters. They will be dry. Why will God dry the waters of Babylon? Because through those demonic waters, his people were being oppressed. So Ezekiel begins to walk through a river. But it was not a river of death. It was a river of life. I repeat, there is the river of death. There is also the river of life. Some places where some of you come from, you need to take authority during this prayer to dry those rivers of death. And some places where you're coming from, there are rivers of sicknesses and poverty. You need to dry that river. Let me read for you briefly. Jeremiah chapter 50, a scripture I love. Jeremiah 50, the Bible talks about the river of Babylon. Then we'll come to the anatomy briefly. The Bible says, Jeremiah 50, let me get it. And uh, the Bible says, I believe in verse, uh, verse 30, if I'm not wrong. Let me see. Jeremiah 50. No, 38, not 30, 38. Jeremiah 50, 38, the Bible says, A drought is upon our waters, and they shall be dried up. For it is the land of graven images, and they are mad upon their idols. A drought is upon our waters. Why must drought come on the waters of Babylon? Because there is so much idolatry. It is that river that is causing idolatry on the people. Sometimes when I'm casting out a devil, the Lord usually leads me to begin to strike the dwelling place of that demon with drought. And suddenly the guy will say, I need water, ah, water, water, water. Why? Because the demon is saying, there is drought where I am. I can no longer swim. I can no longer have power. And sometimes all you need to speak to the addictions that are troubling you, you need to command these addictions to dry up. You need to dry up the rivers supplying strength to those addictions. So we are going to look at the anatomy of a general. Because every general is called to cross some river at one time. Every general is called to step into some waters. I love the way some Englishmen use some analogies, which are very spiritual, that those are deep waters you should not try. Or I am, I am testing new waters. They think it is just water, water, water. But waters are real in the spiritual realm. So, Mike, you could stand over there. We have said, stand over here. We have said, the first anatomy of a general, and listen to me, are his feet, then his knees, then his waist, then his chest, then the rest of the body. Ezekiel relates to us this beautifully in Ezekiel 47, from verse 1 to verse 5. He talks about how as he was led through this river, initially he tested the water a thousand cubits and it was coming to his feet. Then after that, it was coming to his knee. Then it was coming to his loins. Then it moved up till he could not cross it. After that, the thing swept over him. What is the meaning of this? Before I explain these small, small things, allow me to explain this. When God calls you to his river, he is calling you to his life. A river is a, is a source of life, right? It can be demonic life. It can be divine life. When God calls you to his river, he's calling you to his life. Now, 
the life of God, you begin slowly and you keep going slowly. Then you keep going slowly. After that, you are no longer in charge because now God has literally taken over you. The life of the Spirit of God now has taken over you. Now, some of you, you are yet to report to the river. Why? You are yet to know who the Holy Spirit is. The Bible says in uh, John chapter 4, out of your belly shall stream rivers of living waters. This living waters is the Holy Spirit. It means now the Holy Spirit will begin to be the one directing you. But he does not direct you at once. He directs you systematically. The more you surrender, the more he keeps directing you. The more you surrender, the more he keeps directing you. So a general or a man who is going to walk in the fullness of God's authority will have five anatomies but must enter the river. The first anatomy I will call is steps. His steps. The second anatomy, which is his knee, I will call his will. And I'll explain it from the Bible. The second anatomy I'll call his will. Initially, God just wants you to walk in the right step. But after a while, he wants your will to surrender to him. I'll explain it. The third anatomy I will call is feelings. His feelings. The fourth anatomy, which is his chest, I will call his values. Then the overall or the last anatomy I will call is destiny. Many of you say the steps of the righteous man are done what? are ordered of the Lord. But he orders you to a certain life, a certain lifestyle, a certain reality. This reality operates in his river. This reality operates in his direction, the direction of his river. Listen to me. Nobody will ever encounter the Lord till his steps have begun to be ordered by the Lord. No one will ever achieve anything great for God till his steps or his direction has been interfered with by the Lord. Allow me to relate this testimony, and I say this with all humility. In 2001, just before meeting Jesus, my mom came to my room and quarreled me like for one hour. She had a problem with my room. It was not made well. She had a problem with my books. They were not, you know, properly arranged. She had a problem with my shoes. They were not polished. She had a problem with my afro. It was too tall. She had a problem with my skin. I never used to apply Vaseline. She had a problem with my friends. I never used to keep good friends. She had a problem with everything, including my grades. And she gave me that speech for one hour, the way mothers can do. When she left... My head literally was paining. And I stood there in front of a box, a metallic box, the one I reported with to Form 1. And a voice told me very clearly, you have two choices. Go back to your mother in her room and begin to defend yourself or do what you have never done. Until you are ready, I will not tell you what you have never done. Then ask that voice, what have I never done? What is it that I've never done? The Lord I believe it was the Lord because what happened after that was life transforming. The Lord told me, you have never gone to me 
to say, yes, what I'm accused about is right, and I need mercy. I am unworthy and righteous man. I'm like, Lord, how can somebody quarrel me? Then instead of telling them that quarrel was not right, I go and pray and agree with their quarrel. But the Lord told me, that is what you have never done. No wonder your life is the way it is. And in front of me, I began to perceive the Lord was going to lead me on a journey of no return. That journey took place for the next six weeks. And I kept going in fasting, repenting. Every little thing my mom said, I took it to the Lord and said, Lord, it is true. It is true. It is true. Lord, forgive me. It is true. Lord, forgive me. And it was true. It was true. The third week, heavens opened. Jesus himself manifested to me. What was happening? The Lord was ordering my steps. But he was ordering my steps because where I was going next, I had never gone. What I was about to do next, I had never done. What I was about to try next, I had never tried. Listen to me, young people, as we go to Monday, which is the first day of the general. We are going to tell the Lord, our steps must go where we have never gone. Our steps must step where we have never stepped. Our feet must walk where we have never walked. Our lips and our tongue must, must begin to describe what we have never described. We must step on ground we have never stepped on and we did not ever imagine we can step on. Had I gone back to the same old step of when, you are, when your enemy gives you, you also return. When they come, you also come back. When they, they tell you, you also tell them. Had I gone through the same old step as a teenager, today I will not be having the encounter that I had in that time. But the Lord began to take my steps and he began to tell me, now you may not have walked here, but I'm going to guide you. I am going to walk with you. It was on a Friday. So on, on Sunday, I went to church. I met my bishop. I told him, Bishop Moses, I'm going on a journey. I want to go and seek the Lord. He told me, how are you going to seek the Lord? I told him, there are so many things to repent about. I just want this number of weeks to go and repent. He told me, but even me, I've never done that. If you do that, you'll die. You'll die, my son, you'll die. And I told him, but I want to die. Because if I go back, that life is so, so disgusting. I just want to go and die. And he said, ah, that's why I keep saying, this hearing, hearing of God is dangerous. And I left his office. And I went back home. I took a note, I took a paper, piece of paper. I wrote down all the sins my mother was accusing me of. And she had ever accused me of. And I said, I'm going to repent of all these sins. I remember repenting even of adultery and fornication and all these things that I had never done in my life. And I repented about, even I'm robbing. I said, Lord, even I'm a robber. Let me write it down. I'm a thief, Lord. Let me write it down. Every sin that came to my heart, I wrote it down. And the categories were coming to 56. Because I put all sins, like sexual sins together, sins of pride together, sins of stealing together, sins of being lazy, I put them together. The categories were coming to 56. And I knew the Lord is calling me for this number of days to seek him. And to seek him with all of my heart. I had never done that before. But the Lord was ordering my step. He was preparing me to be a leader. He was preparing me to be a man. He was preparing me to be a new person. But a new person whose steps will walk where they have never walked before. 
When I say the first anatomy of the general is his feet, it is because the call to greatness begins with the step to greatness. Not with a thought to greatness. Not with a desire for greatness. The step to greatness. Who in kill Goliath? Many people maybe wrote about it in their emails at home. But one boy went down. One boy took the step, went to the river, took stones. All he had was stones. He could not afford maybe a gun, so he took the stones. And as he took those steps, greatness was beginning to unfold without him knowing. But allow me to keep talking. The Bible says, wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. How do you know that you are going to eternal life? When the way you have to follow is narrow. When your options are narrow. When your limitations are much. When the backing is narrow. When the support is narrow. Then know that surely you are on the right track. How will you know that this thing you are trusting God for. The Lord is truly going to do it. When everything about it is narrow. Luke 15 talks about the prodigal son. The Bible says he took a journey. All he did was travel. All he did was lift his leg and go the wrong direction. And when he went the wrong direction, he lost his signet ring, which was a symbol of his authority. He lost his clothes, which was a symbol of his identity. He lost even his shoe, which was a symbol of his destiny. The man lost everything. Why? One wrong step will lead to everything turning out wrong. One right step will lead to everything turning out right. But let me talk to you briefly. There are two roads. One is physical. Another is spiritual. One road can lead you to Kaangware. Another can lead you to CBD. That is a physical road. But there is also a spiritual road. Which a man can follow as the Lord Jesus begins to show him his light and his love. What happened to, this, to, the, to the prodigal son? He was lost in the spirit. He took a wrong journey in the spirit. He traveled the wrong path in the spirit. And some of you, if your ancestors had not walked in the wrong spirit, today some curses you are dealing with, you will not be dealing with. Some of you, if your father and your mother had walked the right track in the spirit, if they had followed the Holy Spirit, if they had walked in the steps of the Holy Spirit, some curses you are seeing now, you will not be seeing. So what are you going to do, young people? And all those who are going to pray, we are going to tell the Lord, our steps must be right. We will walk right. We will travel light. Both physically and spiritually, we will travel light. We will travel right because if we don't follow right, we will not see right. So the prodigal son begins to follow a wrong spirit. A spirit that makes you walk away from home. A spirit that makes you walk away from your parents. A spirit that makes you walk away from authority. He begins to follow a wrong spirit. And as he traveled, all he had was disaster. A general will not be a general till his steps are consistently following the Lord. But allow me to repeat this. Every great war in the history of mankind has always involved people crossing a river. 
the American Revolution, they are to cross the Delaware River. Later on, they are also to cross the Hudson River. <coughs> During uh, <coughs> Joshua, there was the crossing of the Jordan. And even Moses had to cross the Red Sea. What am I talking about? There is a certain lifestyle that your agents are leading. You must be willing to cross it and take a new lifestyle. Are you hearing me? There's a certain direction everybody seems to be following. You must be willing to make a cross to the other side. There's a certain way people are doing it and getting jobs and getting this and doing this. You must be willing to cross it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your feet must be ready to cross that river that has drowned so many. Some of you come from families where HIV has killed people. You must decide, I will cross this river that has killed my people. Some of you come from families where death and shame has drowned people. You must say, as a young man, as a young woman, I am crossing this thing. My feet will not be stagnated in this shame. My feet will not be stagnated in this problem. The problem today is that everybody wants to conform. No wonder we are told in Romans 12, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. People are refusing to cross over. And there is a blessing when we take our steps and we cross that river. We march through that river. We don't sit in it. We don't drown in it. We march through it. I like what the, the woman of God was saying. Though you pass through the waters, at least you are using your feet to pass through those waters. There is a passing through waters many of you must do. There is a passing through the waters of death, waters of poverty, waters of foolishness, waters of perversion, waters of polygamy. You must pass those waters. You must cross those waters. And after this, you must pray, Lord, put my feet on fire. I love the Holy Ghost because one of the ways he makes me pray and preach and even just be righteous, he usually anoints my, my, my whole being, my spirit, and even my physical body. There are times I'm praying and I'm feeling like my feet are on fire and I just find I have to roll around, I have to skid around, I have to slide around. What is going on? There was a day, physically, I took a journey to pursue the Lord. And as a result, he took my steps. And he began to touch my steps. And he began to touch my toes. One of the things he usually does to my feet, he makes my feet to really jump and to really be on fire. To show me in my spirit, I should be ready to pursue him. My people, they are waters. And I don't know if I'm alone, but you are going to cross them. <laughs> we are going to cross them. The waters of never reaching 50, we are going to cross that water. The water of never reaching 70, we are going to cross that water. The water of never reaching 90, we are going to cross that water. The water of lending and never, never borrowing, we are going to cross that water. <laughs> I love it when our father sit us down to turn us down because we are so much. But we are so much on the right, we are not so much on the wrong. Oh, you know, in our family, uh, we usually go like this. And you know, this is a river that I'm being told to swim in. But this river, I'm not being called to swim in. I've been called to cross it. Which brings me now to number two. The second anatomy of the Russians is knee. I love what the Bible says in First uh, Kings chapter 18. And I can quote it very fast. First Kings chapter 18. 
verse uh, chapter 19 verse 18 the bible says i have left for me not for the nation for me not for their wives for me not for their children for me i have left for me 7000 oh my god one day may the lord say among those ones is joshua 7000 who have not bowed their knee to bad after you begin walking the next test that you must pass, and some of you as I'm speaking now, you know you must pass it. It is the test of your will. What will you bow to? Who will you bow to? What will you succumb to? What will make you so weak till you say, okay, 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 I give up. What is it that will make you bow? We are beginning with our steps. Telling the Lord, polish our steps. Make us walk righteously. Make us cross over. Make us keep going. Make us keep walking. But again, you are telling the Lord, Lord, strengthen our will to obey you and to disobey your enemy. Some of you, if you had not bowed down to some of those things you bowed to, you could be more powerful than you are. You could be more influential than you are. You could be more anointed than you are. You could be more strong than you are. Right now, you could be more lifted of God than you are. But there is something you bowed to. There is something you gave into. But the Lord is saying in this fasting, we are consecrating our knees again. But we are going beyond that, people. Listen. We are going also to tell the Lord, my children and my grandchildren will never bow to this. Ezekiel is told, hey, put your feet in. Good. Keep walking. And as Ezekiel is walking, the thing comes to the knee. The Lord wants to take charge of your will. But he wants you to take charge of your will when it comes to the devil. When it comes to the devil and all temptations, you are required to put your knees straight. But when it comes to the Lord, he wants you to surrender your will to him. Because still your will is surrendered to him. You have no strength of your own now to stand still and to stand firm against the enemy. Listen. In uh, the book I've just quoted in 1 Kings 19, all over the nation, People were worshipping Baal. Everybody was kissing Baal. Everybody was saying yes to Baal. Everybody was swearing by Baal. It was the norm. It was the trend. It was like Facebook. It was like, it was like the norm. The normal thing to do. The, the obvious thing to do. But in the whole land, there were found prophets. I believe they were young. Prophets. Men who said we are not bowing. And funny thing, how even in the book of Daniel, people are told to bow to some God. But this God was not just a, a, a personal God or a spiritual God. It was a political God sanctioned by the state, sanctioned by the king, sanctioned by the elites, sanctioned by the media. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And these people say they are not bowing. And they refused. But at, as they refused, they were also endangering themselves. And as they put their neck on the line, that is how they got their blessing and their reward. Let me tell you, refusing to bow the knee, my friend, will cost you. 
I remember being told when I'm 15, unless you come back to the denomination where you are born and consecrated and dedicated, we will not pay the fees. I told them, do not pay the fees. What were they doing? They were telling me, this is how we have always done our bowing. Please, keep bowing like this. Stop this thing of you, you, you are now out of the mainstream religion. You are now out of the mainstream church. Stop it. And guess who they had sent? They had sent my mother. And they had told me, if you are not coming back to the church, where you used to be a leader and you used to be a, a front person, we will not pay the fees. What were they doing? They were trying to make my knees to bow. Every regret I have in life is because I bowed to the wrong thing. And every joy I have in, in, in my life is because I bowed to the right thing. The right thing is always the will of God. What is the will of God concerning your health? What is the will of God concerning your finances? What is the will of God concerning your career? What is the will of God concerning the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep? What is the will of God? Then bow to that. Anything bringing any other agenda, refuse it. <clears throat> Young people, I hope this will really prick your heart. And you won't hurt me after this, but I'm doing the will of God. Amen? I hope this will really prick your heart. That all the ancestral curses some of you are dealing with is because there was somebody in your lineage who bowed to the wrong altar. Somebody went worshipping the wrong God. Somebody went bowing to the wrong ideals. Somebody went bowing down. Instead of putting his knees straight, he, he, he chose rather to bow. Now you are in trouble. A trouble that you did not bring on yourself. So what are you going to do also? You are going to say, Lord, every knee that bowed to the wrong altar, that is trying to affect me, I disconnect from it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Most of you are not married. This is the season now to tell God, I will not bow to unwanted pregnancy, unwanted fatherhood. I will not bow to unwanted relationship. I will not bow to unwanted arrangement of marriage. I will not bow. I will not bow to this. And to tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need your favor. I need your backing. Holy Spirit, support me in this. <clears throat> Knees will bow, but they must bow to the Lord. What is the first commandment? Thou shall not have any other God beside me. Neither shall you make any graven images to bow to them. That is the first thing that it takes. Bowing to the right thing or bowing to the wrong thing. That is what will determine all these other commandments. Nothing has taken many great men to hell. Nothing has taken so many great people to hell than bowing to the wrong things. Some people I was reading, I was listening to a man of God who was taken to a visitation of hell. And he was shown such a huge, great preacher who transformed the United States. He transformed it completely, even as a day when people celebrate him. And he was shown how this man he needed to be famous. He needed to be known all over the land. He wanted his message to reach the whole land. So he went to a group of satanists and he made an agreement, please help me to get this thing done. So they made an arrangement and he bowed to Satan 
and he was given the fame. He was given the greatness. And nothing has made many to lose their souls than bowing to the wrong thing. And some of you are not going to bow to Satan. You may just bow to anger. You may just bow to lust. You may just be bowing to confusion. You are just bowing to anxiety. You are just bowing to that thing. Your waist is the seat of your feelings. Nothing makes you to bow than feelings. Oh, I was so angry, so I gave in. Oh, I was so, I was so, I was so anxious. I was so fearful. So I just said yes. Oh, 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 oh. There is always oh, 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 oh when people compromise. I stand before you as a man called by God. And I warn you in the name of Jesus, with all the love in my heart. Oh, hear my voice, I beg you. Do not bow. You may be feeling like you are fearing to death. Do not bow. You may be feeling like if you don't do something and if you don't say something, you, 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 you will collapse. Do not bow. Because these knees, wherever they go, this waste will go. Wherever they go, this art will go. Are you hearing me? Wherever they go, these hands will go. Wherever they go, this head will go. You can demonstrate for them. Try kneeling on that house. As he's kneeling, look at him. Look at him. Everything is changing. This is changing. This is changing. This is changing. Even this is changing. Even this is changing. Everything begins to change when you take the knee. Many fear starving or lacking food till they will do anything. I went to a certain place where I met some women and I asked their leader, what is the problem with these women? Why do I see so much promiscuity in their lives? And the, 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 their leader told me, but you know, they have to sell their bodies because they have nothing to eat. If they don't sell their bodies, they will not have anything to eat. I said, I must it really come to that. A place where you are selling your body just for food. Don't you know when you bow? Everything else begins to change. Your name begins to change. Your thoughts begin to change. Your heart begins to change. Your hands begin to change. Nothing has hindered young people. Some of them looking at me now. Nothing has hindered them than giving in and bowing to that thing. Bowing to the other thing. And I'm not here condemning you. I'm not here playing the righteous man. No, I am here to tell you, hey, it is possible not to kiss Baal. It is possible not to bow down to Baal. It is possible not to bend your knee to Baal. Let me tell you, this greatness we are looking for in God, it does not have a lot of complications. Just decide to follow the right path and refuse to take the knee. Refuse to take the knee. I know nowadays in churches we have to cheer them up. We have to make them feel comfortable. You know, we have to speak good English, use good PowerPoint, and, you know, dress up well. After that, they just go back to the same pornography. They just go back to the same masturbation. They just go back to the same drunkenness. They go back to the same thing. And we are failing to tell them the Holy Spirit can make your knees strong. The Holy Spirit can make your knees firm. The Holy Spirit can make your head strong. Remember, Ezekiel is in a river. 
is not in our lecture hall, okay? He's not in our conference. He's in a river. This river is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to strengthen your feet. The Holy Spirit begins to make your knees strong. The Holy Spirit begins to make you stand upright. When the Lord says, bow, you bow. When the devil says, you bow, you rise up. The Holy Spirit is able to do that. Tell your neighbor, the Holy Spirit is able. We go to the third thing. The waste. Or what I call your feelings. Your feelings. In the spiritual realm, i never forget this. In the spiritual realm, the opposite of faith is not fear. It is feelings. Because fear is a feeling. Did you hear me? In the spiritual realm, the opposite of fear, I mean of faith, is feelings. I don't condemn feelings. I have them. I cry a lot. I laugh a lot. I shake. I do all those things human beings do. But I don't allow, to the extent the Lord enables me, I don't allow my feelings to control me. I don't allow the feeling of, I am feeling angry. I am feeling tired. I am feeling confused. I am feeling all place. I don't allow it to control me. If I allow it, I know I will be failing in my authority. I will be giving away part of my authority. We begin by walking when? We begin by, you know, our steps being ordered. Next, it is our will. Next, it is our feeling. When your feelings are now controlled by the Holy Spirit and not by your body, not by your environment, not by your friends, my friend, you are on your way to being trusted by God as a general. Let's begin with this. How can you be trusted by God to point people to the right way when you yourself, you have never gone to the right way? Are you hearing me? How can you be allowed by the Lord to tell people not to give up, not to, you know, bow their knee, while you yourself, you have never given your knee to the Lord? The Lord wants to use us to point people to the right direction, but we ourselves, we must go to that right direction. The Lord wants us to charge people to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, according to Ephesians 6.10. But we ourselves, we must have given our need to the Lord. The Lord wants us to charge people no longer to be led by feelings, but to be led by faith. But we ourselves must surrender our feelings to the Lord. Again, Thank God I'm speaking to young people. When I was a teenager, the Lord forbade me from believing in the soap opera stories. Where I'm in love with this person and I'll kill myself and all that. The Bible calls them passions of the flesh. Oh, if I don't get married to this person, oh, my fate will never happen. Oh, my destiny will never happen. And all these tears, those beautiful girls shed on television. It is all vanity because that is a person who has given in to what we call the bondage of passions. Many start out. Many refuse to bow till feelings made them to do otherwise. How are we going to be leaders as young people and even as old people? Our feelings must be swept by the river of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must come and now take over our feelings and put them under so that we can obey the Lord.
Remember, Ezekiel is being shown this river in the temple. And what is the temple in the New Testament? Our bodies. We are not going to give in to any passion of the flesh. We are not going to give in to any driving us, any mad us of the flesh. Why? Let me tell you something. You want to see a man who will lose power, show me a man who has not taken charge of his feelings. I like telling my wife, hey, hey, I love it when the food is so sweet and I am so angry. Then I look at the food, then I take 10 minutes before eating it. Just to remind myself, it is not the food in charge. I am in charge. Oh, love, it will grow cold. You know where we stay is cold. Uh, I'm like, but let me just mock my appetite and tell my appetite. You are not in charge. Am I lying, love? And I love it. I love to remind myself that, hey, I'm in a battle. If I don't win, somebody else will win. If I don't step out, somebody will step in front of me. And I have to remember, the Holy Spirit will equip me. But I have to be willing. I have to be willing to be equipped. Young people, there's a day I preached here. And my God, I, I saw some old men go like this. I preached and I said by the Holy Spirit, there are battles if you don't win, your children will have to take them up and fight them from scratch. Young people, this is the time to put a knife to your appetite. This is the time to put a knife to the, to the thirst for sugar. This is the time to put a knife to the thirst for this. This is the time to put a knife. Why? Because the general begins to move in the water. Initially, it is just at the feet. Later on, it comes to the knee. After a while, it must come to the waist. The place or what you call the seat of feelings. And some people, Lord Abashanda, some people were praying so well till a feeling came. Some people were fasting so well till a feeling came. Some people were reading their Bible so well till a feeling came. Some people were pursuing greatness so well till a feeling came. And this is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hear my voice. There is victory over feelings for those who will trust the Holy Spirit. There is victory of our feelings for those who will bow to the Holy Spirit. What are we doing on day one? What is day one? Our steps. Day two? Our knee or our will. Day three? Our waist or feelings. Why did some people shoot? Their girlfriends or boyfriends or neighbors only to regret later. Feelings. Why did some people go to the wrong business deal? Feelings. Why did some people go to the wrong environment and later on regretted it? Feelings. Why did some people say the wrong words they could not take back? Feelings. I know you came here expecting. Now we are going to be shown how in one year to be millionaires. But the Lord has no problem giving you those millions. He has only one question. Is your body and your soul and your spirit equipped? 
are you a child or are you a son? Because the inheritance belongs to sons. And if you are going to be a son for God, make sure you give those steps to Jesus. Make sure you give that need to Jesus. Make sure you give those feelings to Jesus. I love what Paul says about the waste in Ephesians 6. He talks about the belt of truth. Meaning everything around your waist must be truthful. Oh, I'm in love with that girl. Is he your wife? That is a lie. Is he your wife? No, she's not your wife. Good. The, the feelings you have are not true. Oh, I, 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 I want that vehicle. I want that vehicle. Is it your vehicle? And that place where you want it, is it even the showroom? No. Put a belt on your waist. Put a belt on your waist. The belt of truth. Oh, I just want to go and talk to him. But as the Lord told you to go talk to him, I just feel, I just want, in fact, it is getting late. Take the truth. Put it on your waist. I'm not saying now you'll be all macho men who don't smile, who are not human. No. I am saying the Holy Spirit wants to take charge of your waist. He wants to guard you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to make you spiritual, not carnal. And I speak to you as a prophet. Listen to me. A few years from now, a few decades from now, a few centuries from now, if you are still alive, there will be one question. Where did you walk? What did you bow to? What did you give in to? That will be the question. And many will be crying or laughing just based on where they walked, based on how many, how many needs they took that were wrong or right, and based on how much they gave in to the feeling, whether it was the feeling of anger, whether it was the feeling of bitterness, whether it was the feeling of confusion, whether it was the feeling of fear. It all boils down to those three, yet I'm going to four and five. So we're going to number four. Are we ready? Remind me number one. What is number one? Our steps. Number two? Number three? Feelings. This is the mother of them all. Because after this, there is no other except destiny. This is the mother of them all. Because this feet will take strength from here. Right? This feet will take strength from here. These knees will take strength from here. This waist will take strength from here. You kill here, you've killed this. Are you listening to me? You kill here, you've killed this. You kill here, you've killed this. You kill here, you've killed this. I call this your values. The only thing that should kill this thing is number one thing we call values. There are steps. There is a will. There is the feelings. But greater than them all, the values. Why are many easily misled? Why are many easily intimidated? Why do many easily give in? Because the stronger 
this place is, the stronger this place will be. The weaker this place is, the weaker this place will be. The greatest men are those ready to die for a year. The weakest men are those willing not to die for a year. Our value system is called Jesus Christ. And out of that one single value system, our steps will automatically be right. Our will will automatically be strong. Our feelings will automatically be guided by the Holy Spirit. I repeat, everything begins from the art. Guard your art with all diligence because out of it are all summary of the things of life. All issues of life come from the art. So in the spiritual realm, a man can be a one-star general because his steps are very eager to walk in the ways of God. A man can be a two-star general because his, his will is very strong to obey the Lord and to refuse the enemy. His steps also, his, his, his feelings also can be guarded. But if he's to attain the fourth star, which leads to destiny actually, his art must pump for one value system. The Bible says, seek ye therefore the kingdom with all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The Bible says, you wicked generation, you worship me with your mouth, but your hearts are far. Why must the heart be near? Because the nearer the heart, the more powerful the heart and the more glorious the issues that will come out of it. Sometimes when I'm out of preaching from this place, I usually get attacked. Either a feeling of condemnation. Oh, when you give that testimony, you are boasting. A feeling of confusion. Oh, did they understand me? All these things usually come. Once in a while they come. When I'm done preaching or doing deliverance. And one thing has always beaten that enemy till he ran away. Do you know it? One thing has always made that enemy to shut up. I have always knelt down and said, Lord, you know my heart. Is it lying when I'm doing ministry? Is it pretending when I'm doing ministry? Do I have anything in this art to gain apart from you? Lord, answer me. And immediately those feelings have always gone away. What am I doing that time? I am using my fourth star strength, the star in my heart, to silence every attack of the enemy. When your heart is right, what can make your steps be unsteady? Nothing. When your heart is right, what can make your will be weak? Nothing. When your heart is right, what can make your feelings be wrong? Nothing. And that's why sometimes I can shout, and I know I should not really shout. It is not cute to be shouting. But I shout because my heart feels like I need to shout to bring this point home. After that, the demons of religion want to attack me. I bow down and I say, Lord, you know my heart. I am trying to win souls. I am trying to save souls. Why are many of you not overcoming those confusions? It is because you are yet to set your heart completely right with the Lord. You are yet to say, Lord, I'd rather die than cheat you in my heart. Oh, I wish I had two hours. But listen, anytime a general goes to war, 
and is in, in his heart of hearts. He has nothing but the love for his country. Not the love for his wife. Not the love for the uniform. The love for his country. Anytime he goes to war and he remembers, this is not about me. It is about the country. There is usually a boldness that comes on him. There is even luck, so to speak, that comes on him. Because the country needs him. Even the God of that country must now protect him. Whoever you commit your heart to will protect you. Whoever or whatever you commit your heart to will either protect you or destroy you. I am ready to go to any place Jesus wants me to go because I know that is the only thing in my heart. So why are you going to overcome? You are going to overcome because in your heart, you owe God to overcome. In your heart, you owe Jesus to overcome. Why are you going to walk right? You are going to walk right because you owe Jesus to walk right. And I've seen people standing before devils and they were helpless. They were swept in mockery because their hearts had something that was not right. Demons know how to mock those whose hearts are not right. Demons know to mock those whose hearts have not been purified. Demons know how to mock those whose hearts are not totally surrendered to Jesus. Oh, what is what did Paul say we put over here? Breastplate of what? Righteousness. Make sure the person here is Jesus because he is our only righteousness. Don't put ambition here, okay? Don't put ambition here. Don't put your ego here. Don't put your image here. Put Jesus here. If you are going for an interview, let this be the consolation in your heart that Jesus, I am going to this for you, not for me. If I get, I get because you want to get it. If you don't want to get it, let me also not get it. That will give you a life of peace. So the Holy Spirit begins to lead your steps. It begins to lead your will. It begins to lead your feelings. It begins to lead your heart. And when he is satisfied that your heart is totally given to him, now he will not just make you walk. He will make you swim. There are places you will go by walking. But the best way to go to those places is by swimming. Because in swimming or in being drowned in a river, it is not your mechanical power that is propelling you. It is the power of the river. And there are people who must sweat and beg and scratch and plead for things to happen. This is the good news up for you. It is time to be drowned in the river. It is time to be swept by the river. It is time no longer to be begging. It is time no longer to be wishing. It is time to be swept by the river. <clears throat> so the Lord told me one time, my son, I know you want to see miracles. I know you want to see healings. This is the secret I will give you. The day you will truly love those people you want healed, the same way I love them, you will not even heal them. You will watch me heal them and will you give me praise. The day you'll watch those people, I want to raise from the dead, and you'll feel what I feel about them. For now, he told me, my son, for now, your heart is not with mine as one. Your heart is not totally tied to my heart. You love me, yes, but you are yet to unite and yoke with me. The day your heart and mine will yoke, where I go, you'll go. What I feel, you'll feel. What I'm sensing, you'll sense. And I plead with you in this fasting you are going to do from tomorrow. Beg the
the Lord that his heart and yours will be yoked together. Beg the Lord that, Lord, I want my heart to feel what your heart feels. Before you know it, you will not be trying to do it. You will not be bending to do it. You will not be tightening up to do it. You will just begin to swim in it. But after your heart has been given, this is the last star. The last star is called your destiny. What is destiny? The ultimate level your life will ever come to. The ultimate level your life will ever come to. And many of you, as you begin walking, the Lord will lead you to bow and also lead you to rise up from where the wrong places you have been bowing in. After that, he will touch your feelings. And after that, he will even give you the value that your heart should have. But the final thing he will demand is that you must give him your destiny. What is your destiny? It is your ultimate place of destination. It is your final destination. Remember, initially when you are swimming or walking or padding in the water, you can decide, I want to move from here to there, right? But when the water now is sweeping you, you have no authority where it takes you. Even how fast it will take you there. There are times you are worried, oh my God, oh my God, I'm 30, I'm not yet married. Oh my God, I'm 35, I don't yet have a child. Oh my God, I'm 40, I'm not yet to buy a plot. Initially, you are worried about physical time. Initially, you are concerned about years and months and weeks. After a while, when this heart is totally surrendered, and these feelings are totally surrendered, and this will is totally surrendered, and these steps are totally surrendered. My friend, you will not make the mathematics of months or weeks or years. You will not make the mathematics of centuries. You will only find things are happening and you don't know how they happened. You know, some of you are looking at me and saying, Ay, those things are only for apostles. <laughs> the Bible says if you have faith, not if you are an apostle. If you have faith, everything shall be done unto you according to your faith. So I speak to you who has faith. There is a place where time no longer works. There is a place where weeks no longer determine things. There is a place where years no longer determine things. It is a place called the place of glory. So this is going to be our prayer. That as he leads our steps, as he takes over our will, as he takes over our feelings, as he takes over our values, he will now take over our destiny. And we'll begin not to be guarded or guided by days or by time frames or by timelines, even by procedures. Because some of you, if you want to get your money the way you are really planning to get it, maybe you need a hundred years before you get to where you'll really feel you are successful. But I tell you the truth, in the place of glory, as you keep surrendering to God, there is a place where time no longer matters. There is a place where figures no longer count. There is a place where principles no longer work. There is a place where concepts no longer work. It's the place of glory. 
Sometimes pastor asks me, why do you push so hard in your prayer, in your seeking of God? I'm like, pastor, I'm here to see glory. I've seen the anointing, but not the glory. I want to see the glory. I want to see time come to nothing. I want to see procedures come to nothing. I want to see principles come to nothing. It is good to lay hands on the sick and they get healed. But a day comes you are not laying hands. A day comes you are speaking the word. And the thing happens on its own. So let's summarize before we charge and pray and go home. What's our first step? What's our second step? What's our third step? What's our fourth step? Let me stop there briefly. Let me stop there briefly. I want some of you when you go home and you are in prayer on the fourth day of the will, of the, of the values. Not even the values. Let's begin with the feelings. I want you to determine that the feelings that have made your mother or your father not to be great, those feelings will not follow you. How many of you, and don't be embarrassed, how many of you, either you are, one of your parents has a bad temper? Bad temper. Put your hands down. How many of you love that temper? You look forward, oh my God, when will he have the temper? Ah, yeah. Another question on the same temper. How many can say that that bad temper has made your parent not to be a great person? Not to be the person who was called to be great. How many of you can agree with that? But if my, if my father did not just have that bad temper, he will really be great. How many can agree with that? So on the third day, as we are dealing with the feelings, we are going to tell the Lord, Every feeling that has made our people not to be great, we are plucking it from our lives. And we are forbidding it even in our children. Oh, the Lord is asking me to ask you this. How many one of your siblings, not your parent, one of your siblings has a long mouth? He has a long mouth. Put your hands down. And how many wish, if this Mdomomrefu can stop, this person can really be a nice person? Thank you. What are you going to do with that long mouth? You are going to chop it. <laughs> what made Moses not to go to the promised land? What was the emotion of it? What was it? Hunger. Oh, what made David to really have an egg in his face? Last. These are all feelings. What made Peter to chop the ear of the high priest? Huh? <laughs> I repeat to you young people. All of you are called to greatness. But there is something in your ways to conquer. Are you hearing me? There is something in your ways to conquer. The first day you are committing your steps. The third and second day you are committing your will. The third day you are committing your feelings. And by committing your feelings, it means there are also feelings you are chopping away from. Oh, when this feeling of, you know, talking comes on me, I don't know what happens. Chop it off. 
When this feeling of I don't know what comes on me, I just find I've replied to that wrong text. Chop it off. Listen to me. There is this song that says, I am no longer what? A slave. To what? To fear. Now I'm a child of God. As a child of God, you cannot be a slave to any other feeling except the Holy Spirit. You can no longer be a slave. All you need to do is to exercise your authority. Now let me come to this. The value. The value. The value. And this is so dear to my heart because that is where I am right now. The value. Nothing will summarize your exploit in life than the value you committed to or never committed to. Nothing will summarize your greatness in life than the value you committed to or you never committed to. There is something greater than you you must be willing to rise up in the morning and go back to bed at night for. I said this person is Christ himself. He is your value. We had an argument, and I keep sharing this over and over. We had an argument with my elder brother one time. And he was asking me, my brother, suppose God gives you children and a wife. What do you want of them? I said, I want them to love the Lord Jesus and to live for him. Ah, ah, no, 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 no. As a man, as a man, as a man, as a man with muscles, as a man with sweat, as a man with brains, what do you want for your children? What do you want? Do you want them to have this? Uh, do you want them to obey our traditional cultures? What do you want? I said, I want Jesus. He told me, no, 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 no. You should be working hard to have, you know, wealth for your children. You should be working hard to buy for them properties. You should be working hard. A man must commit to hard work. I said, no, me, I'm committing to Jesus. He told me, now then, how will you make it? How will you have wealth? How will you have success? I said, but when I commit to Jesus, he will bless me. So I will have my wealth out of blessing, not out of sweating. Not out of straining. Not out of begging. And we couldn't agree that day. You are going back home. A home which some of you, your parents, committed to sweating and struggling. Some of them even went to witchcraft as a result of all that. But you, you are going to determine in your heart, who is your value system? Who is your value system? Jesus. That if they have to kill you, let them kill you because of Jesus. If they have to accuse you, let them accuse you because of Jesus. If they have to understand you, let them understand you because of Jesus. If they have to misunderstand you, they have to misunderstand you because of Jesus. And soon when some of you are forming families, let this be your decision. That Lord, on this one, let us agree. You are the pillar of this house. You are the foundation of this house. You are the description in this house. You are the culture in this house. Ultimately, we have to agree all about our destiny, all about our future, all about whether we are good or bad will be unto the Lord himself. We will be led of the Lord to that place of destiny. We will not be led. I know, and this is, a, this is like a catastrophe in this nation. This nation is a product of so many people who are where they are because of their grades in exams. 
Many are there because of C's. Others are there where they are because of D's. Others are where they are because of A's. Others are there because there was no A or B to begin with or C or D or E. And this is a painful reality. Why? Because the blood of Jesus and the redemption of Calvary is greater than grades. It is greater than the lack or the absence of them. And you must decide, the place I will reach will not be because of my schooling. It will be because of my surrender. My surrender will take me to the nations. My surrender will take me to the place of wealth. My surrender will take me to the place of greatness. I've met a few soldiers. I keep telling pastor about General Apopa. He was an elder in a church where I was a deacon as we finish. He was an elder in a church where I was a deacon. And he was a general in the army. And he kept telling us stories after stories. And one of the stories was how you had to fish out the enemy if he is hiding. So as a general, as the commander, he had to determine the method they are going to use to fish out. To fish out the enemy. And this was so painful. They used to take two to three people or sometimes ten. The weak ones. The ones they know have no future in the army. And they could tell them, run in front. It is an order. Go, soldier, go. And the man could go exposing himself. And bullets could fly this way, or fly this way, or fly this way. Then General Apopa could know. Now, when the bullet came from this way, the enemy could not be firing from here. He had to be firing from there. So, he could now tell his soldiers, go and attack. And they could not ask questions because now the weak one, has identified the enemy for them. And I asked him, General, what gave you comfort to do that painful thing? He told me, because we all took the oath to do whatever it takes for our nation. Put your, heart in your, put your hand in your heart. Say, Lord, I will not be the weak link. I will be the general. Did that sink in your heart? The weak link must be used as a pawn. He must be used as a guinea pig to test out. Ah, wasana nashikaja mimba. Wasa tuwena na yule. Eh, wanashikanga hivyo. Oh, watu wajinga wanakanga aje. Wanakanga kama huyo. One time I'm in Taita and there was a drunkard walking on the street. A university graduate, but a drunkard walking on the street and cursing and urinating. And an old man called me aside. He said, hey, my friend, do you know what is the lesson from here? These are the people who are born to show others how not to be like them. How walizaliwa wawe mfano ya wale wafai kuwa kama hao. It was painful. That when we need an example for those who have lost life, those who have lost destiny, those who have lost direction, we simply have to be told, go, 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 check that one. Yeah, that one. Now you see that one. Yeah, that one. Youths, are we ready to pray? That will not be the weak link of those who give up on salvation. That will not be the weak link of those who give up on morality. That will not be the weak link of those who give up on prayer. Are we ready to pray? Pastor, you told me to charge them. 
Am I using Nokia or Samsung? <laughs> I'm using Nokia. <laughs> Pastor is saying that is Nokia. <laughs> I come in the charger of the Holy Ghost. I say, you shall not be the weak link. You shall be the general. You will be the one pointing at the weak ones. But you will not be pointed as the weak one. Let me tell you also reality. You fail to give those steps of viewers to the Lord. You fail to give that will of viewers to the Lord. You fail to give those feelings of viewers to the Lord. You fail to give those values of viewers to the Lord. A general or a popper will come and say, eh, 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 eh. step forward. Let us use you as an example of how the enemy can fire. But you can refuse it. I say you can refuse it. Let's be on our feet. Remind me the first anatomy of the general. I say, remind me the first anatomy of the general. Remind me of the second anatomy of the general. Where is your will? Your knees. We are doing it for mama. I repeat again. Remind me the first anatomy of the general. Remind me the second anatomy of the general. Where is your will? On your knees. Remind me the third anatomy of the general. Where are your feelings? Remind me the fourth anatomy of the general. Where are your values? Remind me the fifth anatomy of the general. Where is your destiny? Not in your head. Right ahead of you. I wish I was a Sunday school teacher. Touch your, touch your feet. Touch your feet. Touch your knee. Touch your waist. Touch your chest. Touch your destiny. It is right ahead. We are going to destiny, but it begins with one step. That one step of going, Pastor, can I use just five minutes? Joshua is told, every place the, the sole of your feet shall trod upon. Ask me, and I will ask you also, has Joshua already trodden on those places? Every place the sole of your feet shall trod upon, you shall possess. As Joshua, by the time they are talking with the Lord, has he stepped on those places? No. There are places your fathers never stepped. The Lord is asking you, are you having faith you are going to step them? There are heights your people never stepped and maybe they will never step. Do you have faith you will step them? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There is a determination, there is a decision on your knees to make. Are you going to make it for the Lord? Will you make it for destiny? Will you make it for the future? Thank you, Lord. There are feelings that have made you stop praying and stop fasting and stop reading the word. Will you give in to those feelings? Will you give in to those feelings? Will they control you anymore? Will they control you anymore? No. Will you surrender to the Holy Ghost? Yes. 
They are values that are demonic. Some are so useless. Some are so humanistic. They have no value to your destiny. Will you surrender to those values? Will you be the type to shave your head because somebody has died? Will you be the type? Will you be the type to go uh, to, to, to a sangoma because things are tough? Will you have such values? Thank you, Lord. Finally, there is a destiny waiting ahead of you. David attained it. Daniel attained it. Joseph attained it. All of these people had issues to do with the lust and anger and all these things you are dealing with. Will you join them there in destiny? Will you pay the price to join them? Thank you. We are going to be charging. We are going to be charging in tongues. We are going to be charging with the praise. We are going to be charging with whatever God gives us. Though I love tongues. We are going to be charging. Then when we open Kidogo, we mention one thing. And destiny is changed forever. We mention one thing. Our village is changed forever. We mention one thing. Our mothers are changed forever. We mention one thing. Our future is changed forever. How many are ready to charge? Just for a few minutes. How many are ready to charge in this place? How many are ready to charge? How many are beginning to, be, to, 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 charge, to charge already? How many are beginning to charge? How many are beginning to charge? You charge, you charge, you charge. If something comes about your feet, you mention it. You charge, you charge, you charge when something may comes about your feet, your knees, you mention it. You charge, you charge, you charge when something comes about your feelings, you mention them. You charge, you charge, you charge when something comes about your values or your art, you mention it. And as you keep going, you will not know the results God will give you. Somebody begin to charge right now. It is time not to be a weak link. It is time to be a general. Whoever will have faith in what we are about to do next, your life will never going to be the same. Listen to me. Samuel was a young boy when God raised him to be judge. What does it mean to be judge? It means there are things that need to be set right. And Samuel was raised up to set things right. How many Samuels do we have in this room? Men who are young, women who are young, but they are going to set things right. Whatever is out of balance in their families, they will pray till it is right. Whatever is out of balance in their communities, they will pray till it is right. Whatever is wrong in their generation, they will pray till it is right. After charging, now I can tell you this with boldness. We are going to judge. And we are going to judge by saying, Lord, everything out of place, we are putting it right. Everything out of place, we are putting it right. Lord, we are putting our steps right. We are putting our wills right. We are putting our feelings right. We are putting our values right. We are putting our destinies right. And anything contrary, we are putting it aside. By the authority in the name of Jesus, I put judgment on your foundations. Whatever foundation is not of Jesus, we break it now. 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 Foundations of immorality. We break them now. Foundations of wickedness. We break them now. Foundations of perversion. We break them now. Foundations of confusion. We break them now. Foundations of witchcraft. We break them now. We break them now. We break them now. We break the foundations of poverty. We break them now. And I speak to you in the name of Jesus. 
No young man under my voice, the sound of my voice, will walk in generational poverty again. No young man will walk in generational immorality again. No young man will walk in generational confusion again. No young man will walk in generational witchcraft again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I charge you in the name of Jesus. Go take back your steps from those broken foundations. Go take back your steps from those broken foundations. Go take back your steps. Go take back your steps and walk in the name of Jesus. Walk in honor in the name of Jesus. Walk in wisdom in the name of Jesus. How many have made up their mind that in these prayers, foolishness is a thing of the past? Compromise is a thing of the past. Saying yes to demons is a thing of the past. I tell you in the name of Jesus, we are plucking our will. We are plucking our knees from every wrong altar. We are plucking our knees from every wrong altar in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When you deal with your steps tomorrow or whichever day, I want you to agree that going forward, nothing of the shadow of your past will follow your steps again. Some of you have been through scandals. It is over. Some of you have been through embarrassments. It is over. Some of you have been through begging and begging and begging. It is over. In the name of Jesus. Samuel was young, I repeat. Samuel was young, but he was a judge. He told Eli, tomorrow the Lord is going to finish you and your house. And it began to happen. Samuel began to judge. I say again in the name of Jesus, the grace that was upon Samuel, let it come upon you. May you begin to judge generations. May you begin to judge generations. May you begin to judge institutions. May you begin to judge in the name of Jesus. Things that have been done in your family for generations that were demonic, it ends with you. I say it ends with you. It ends with you. Beyond prayer, we are living the lifestyle of what we pray. Amen? We are living that lifestyle. And the lifestyle we are going to live from tonight is this. Everything we are broken cannot be revived back. We have broken poverty. Nothing can revive it back. We have broken immorality. Nothing can revive it back. We have broken poverty and witchcraft. Nothing can revive witchcraft again. I told you some rivers we have to cross. And tonight I charge you, cross those rivers. Cross the river of death and never see death near you again. Cross the river of infirmity. Never see infirmity again. Cross the river of poverty. Never see poverty again. Cross the river of compromise and never compromise again. In the name of Jesus. The devil fears when young people make up their minds. How many are, have made up their mind tonight? The devil fears when we make up our mind. Because in that instant, we 
give the Lord permission to give us the heavenly backup. I decree it is not by power. It is not by might. It is by the Holy Spirit. And He's giving us backup. He's giving us backup in the steps we are to take. He's giving us backup in our will. He's giving us backup in our feelings. He's giving us backup in our hearts. He's giving us backup to reach our destiny. We claim the backup of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus.